0: Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over forty years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for twenty-five years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher.
1: Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rhody Fisher, and welcome listeners. I am in Psalm 62, but before we start, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for getting me here this morning it was a little bit of a wrinkle, but we got here safely. Had to follow that fire truck this morning. Oh, wow. Anyhow, I, I, I want to pray for where that wherever that fire truck was going, Lord, and, and Lord, just bless them. Bless our time here, Lord, with Sean and Guy, who's been so helpful for me. And also, Lord, be with my words today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be. Lord, be pleasing to you in Jesus' name, Amen. Welcome, everybody. Um, we're in Psalm 62 today. I I actually wrote it out today. It is I am using the uh, King James version, and so um, I can't believe we're already in Psalm 62. And at the beginning of my show, I was kind of skipping around, using different scriptures. Until I thought, well, let's just start in Psalm and keep going. And here we are in Psalm 62. And I don't know, Sean, I think this is probably my 81st show or 80, 81st show, maybe? 82. 82nd show. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm surprising myself even. <laughs> and, and we've got about, I think, 10 shows that we haven't shown yet that we already have wow. taped. But I'm going to be going on vacation, so soon to be using those. Okay, um, so Father, we pray that you would give us understanding of your word today. We're in Psalm 62, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Okay, so here is David. Again, fleeing. He's out in the wilderness, um, fleeing from Saul, hiding from Saul. And um, so it starts out. With for the chief musician after the manner of Jadutham, Jethuthan, a psalm of David. Okay, so let's start in verse one. It says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. So David is here declaring truly my soul waiteth upon God. What beautiful words those are, right? Truly meaning, it it could also mean only, only my soul waiteth upon God. I'm waiting on you, God, and God only. And my, my salvation comes from him, he's saying. From him cometh my salvation. You know, it says in in, in um, John, Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but through me. So we get to know Jesus, I mean, Jesus when we accept him into our life. But we also get to know the Father. The Father is who David is talking to, Yahweh, Yahweh. We get to know the Father by way of Jesus, by accepting Jesus into our life. And he's saying here, my salvation comes from God and God alone, that's it. Nothing else, no, no idols, um, no you know, bowing down to a- animals or cows or whatever. He knows where his help comes from. He knows where his salvation comes o- from. And he's saying here, my soul waiteth, waiteth for for upon God. Love that. <clears throat> then number two, uh, um, verse two says, "He only is my rock and my, salva- my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved." It's you know he's saying. He truly, truly is my is my rock. He is my rock and my salvation. You know, in Matthew, um, I believe it's Matthew 7, it talks about building your house upon the rock, the solid foundation of God. This, Jesus is the rock. Build your house upon the rock, not upon that shifting sand. There was that, song that we all sung as kids, right? The wise man built their house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the waves came washing him away. Anyhow, truly, oh gosh, I've got my key on. Oh, well, I'm stuck with it now. Sorry about that. But anyhow, um, he's saying here, he only is my rock. And my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Verse three. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall shall ye be as a as a tottering tottering fence, I said bowing, it might be bowing as a, you know, a wall wall, and a tottering fence, a shaky fence here. Number four, it says, they only counsel to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth but curse inwardly Selah. So Really, they're showing a sign that they're hypocrites. You know, with their mouth, they might say things openly. But inwardly, they're cursing him. So he's calling on, he's telling the Lord about his enemies here. They only consult to cast him down. Okay. Verse 5. My soul waiteth upon God for my expectation is from him. So he's just waiting on God. My soul waiteth upon God. Yes. And on God only. Okay. You know, I love that scripture. I want to just plug it in here. He's waiting on God and on God only. And And that scripture comes to mind, be still and know know that I am God. Be still. He's hanging tight here. He's waiting on God. My soul waiteth upon God. So be still. He's being still here. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Now that's He's, he's saying that again. He was saying that earlier in verse two, but he's saying it again. Actually, he, in verse two, he says, I shall not be greatly moved. Here he's declaring it again. He only is my rock and my salvation, He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Now I don't know about you, but for me if somebody were chasing me after me had their men coming after me and fleeing, it would be very very difficult for me to understand my life's in, is in danger and i I've got to hide um from the sky i I know that a lot of people that are in foreign countries that are not, you know, are not. Um, I I don't want to point out what countries there are, but you know, I just interviewed a gal the other day that had to be snuck out of a country because of her beliefs in Jesus and what he stands for in that country. People were after her. They were trying to kill her. They poured acid on her face and, and poured acid down her throat. Um, and she survived that, but for the grace of God. And this is the kind of thing people still go through for their faith, standing up for, you know, our belief in Jesus Christ as our Savior. In this case, there's jealousy going on with Saul, and he's he's jealous of 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 David, and David has had to run from him for years. I'm not sure how many years, but some say as many as ten years. And um, so here he is, still running, but he's he's putting his hope and trust and life in the hands of God, and he's. In verse 6 here, he's cl- declaring that again. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be moved. So great. In verse 7, it says, In God, in God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. You know, I know that years ago, there was in, 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 in the earlier times in the Bible um, and during the time of David and, and even before that, God made provisions for um, people to, to hide themselves in the city of refuge. There was an actual city in different parts of the city, wherever they were from, so that if someone mistakenly I don't know, killed someone or um, hurt someone. And it was an error or just a mistake. Like maybe today they'd be driving their car and somebody ran in front of it and they mistakenly ran them over. I mean, I I recently had something like that happen to me. Someone made a left-hand turn into my car he was on a motorcycle, and I ran him over. He came into my lane. I didn't see him on my right side, and he was making a left-hand turn into the very right lane of the of the um, traffic. And there I was. It was a car parked, several large cars like a van and a really big truck, so I couldn't see that little tiny road that he came out of. But he came flying out of there and went right under my car. Um, had he died, and it was during that time, I could have run to the city of refuge and and saved my life from his family trying to kill me. Um, well, they had those cities then. But um, David was hiding in different caves and different places, uh, running from Saul, but he's saying here, God is my refuge in the whole the whole verse and it says here, in God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God, so he's feeling like he's running, but he's trusting in God to protect him God is God is our protector. I mean. When that when that guy came into my lane, I honestly felt like he was going to come right into my windshield and I was going to die. I saw it happen, and within nanoseconds, I I thought that guy's coming right through my windshield and I it might kill me. But he, in fact, went under my car. But God is my refuge and my strength, my rock, my. My salvation is coming from him. And and David here is declaring that. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. And this is what he's doing. He's pouring out his heart to God. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Again, there's a pause here, Selah. Um, that was verse 8. He's putting his trust in him at all times, not just for today, but in all times. And that's the way we need to be with God. We need to put our trust in in God. I remember years ago, I was reading this book called Like a Mighty Wind. I, I just received the Lord. I just accepted the Lord as my Savior. And I was reading this book by Mel Torrey. And he said to me, he said in the book, I was going to say to me, But kind of he was talking to me through the book. He said in the book, um, I can't wait to go to America. They are such godly people. And this was in the 70s when I read this book. So I imagine it was maybe a few years earlier that he wrote it. But he was saying, I can't wait to get to America, USA, because they must be such godly people they put in "God We Trust" even on their money. Well, he got here. He was a little disappointed. He couldn't believe that there were billboards. He got off at LAX. He couldn't believe there were billboards up and down the aisle as you're walking out of off the plane and into this long aisle, um, like a tunnel coming through, getting your bags, and there were there were pictures of alcohol cigarettes and all of that as he's walking down the way and got on the, got on the, um, I don't know if he took a taxi, I can't remember, but whatever he got into, he's looking on the side of the freeway and there's even bigger billboards about um, cigarettes and, and women that are, you know, clad in skim clothes. And he was, rudely awakened by how ungodly we were at the time. You know, you have to remember the 60s was, you know, the flower child days and hippies and all that. So the 70s, I mean, it progressively got worse. So here he was um, anxious to see what God had, you know, what kind of a godly nation we were, and he was rudely awakened. But anyhow, in God, he's putting his trust, he says here, in verse eight, at all in all times, every every minute of every day. So here we are in verse nine. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are lie to be lain in balance. They are altogether lighter than vanity. He's saying here in verse ten: Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery if riches increase set your heart set not your heart upon them so he's saying don't trust in oppression don't don't become vain when you're stealing stuff and become rich um don't set your heart upon that and then he's saying in verse 11 God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongeth unto God. So all power comes from him. I mean, he spoke the world into existence, the heavens and the earth. That's the God we're serving. You know, I don't know if you heard my testimony before, but I didn't know who God was. I didn't know what name to call him. I mean, I grew up in a Christian home. I knew of a God, but I didn't follow him. I didn't really want to call him Jesus. I, I know that my parents, and, you know, we took us to church every Sunday and more than that, but I wasn't ready to call him Jesus. I, I didn't even want to call him Jesus. I was looking to other gods, um, and when I was in my 20s, I was searching for God, looking you know, into Buddhism, Hinduism, some of those Eastern philosophies, and that was the route I was going to take. But when I was dying in the hospital and worried about who was going to watch my children, I prayed for the first time in my life without being asked by my parents or thinking... I'm going to be pushed into this by someone else. I laid there thinking and really think that God could heal me. So I wasn't looking for a healing. All those healing stories in the Bible I thought were fiction. I knew that there was a God. I just didn't know his name. So I prayed, God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, that God, find someone to take care of my kids. I knew I was dying of Hodgkin's disease. I knew that it wouldn't be long. They gave me three to six months, and I was already into the fourth month. I I can do that easy math. I was on my way to dying. But when I prayed, God, the one that, that created the heavens and the earth, I was searching for a God that was so big that he could create all of this. And I thought, this was the head honcho, that's who I want to talk to. I know there's other gods, but that's the one. And this is the God that he's calling upon. He's saying here in verse, at verse 11, and this is David again, God had spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongeth unto God. God is all-powerful. He spoke the world into existence. Not only did he heal me, but he saved me right away. And the last verse here in um, chapter 62 of Psalm, Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work so thank you, Jesus, for your word here, here in Psalm 62. We pray that you would continue to give, you a, give us all understanding of your word. So today, um, my special guest is, did not make it today, and he will be here on another day, God willing. But I'd like to take you, well, I'd like to talk about knowing God. Um, You know, I mentioned earlier that when I accepted the Lord, I um, didn't know what to call God. And God, you know, reached down after he, I called on him to find someone to take care of my children. I felt the surge of like a blanket falling on me, a warm blanket. And I prepared myself to open my eyes and say thank you to to this nurse that I thought might have put a blanket on me. Well, there was no nurse in my room and there was no blanket, no no extra blanket on me. And I remember looking down the hall cuz I my wall my my bed was against the wall here and the door was right to my right. I looked down the hall thinking I'd see the nurse. And I didn't. And I thought to myself, that is so strange. I don't know what happened, but that is so strange. What I feel happened is that God was honoring my prayer and healing my body because I was in the hospital for a surgery, which was going to go on the very next day. And they were going to take as many lymph glands out as possible to make my life more more comfortable because I had big, round, swollen lymph glands under my arms, in my neck that were visible, and um, some in my abdomen. And they were, they were going to, you have lymph glands all over your body anyway. And so I could feel the ones that were the most cancerous, and, and they were really swollen. They were going to take those out the next day. And so I, I quickly went to bed not thinking too much about it. Little did I know that the Lord at th- that time that I prayed, it was about 8.30 at night, and this happened in October of 1973. When they operated, the very next morning they woke me up at six um, six thirty, and my my surgery was supposed to be at seven. And they did the surgery and kept going to the next lymph gland and the next, sending parts of it up to the lab. And the doctor said when I woke up that. The lymph glands were normal, but just in case, they were taking a little sliver, sending it to the lymph gland to see what, what they could find in the lab. And sure enough, um, the doctor felt that um, he doesn't know what happened, he said. He said, if I were a man of, science, uh, of, of the cloth, I think there was a miracle here. But he said, I, I'm a man of, I'm the man, I'm man of science. I don't I I can tell you I really have no idea what happened. But praise be to God the Lord healed me and right after he healed me I remember having a desire to read his word. And because I had, you know, mountains of books in at my house on Krishna and, you know, Buddhism and you know, the Quran Because I was seeking God, I said to him, lead me to your book. Because I had what I thought was all of the different books. I wanted the God that healed me, the one that I prayed to, God who created the heavens and the earth. And I I guess I was thinking I'd become a Hindu because I thought there was many, many gods and all-encompassing they would be... Worshiping all of them. And I felt like God was saying, I want you to read the Bible. And I thought, what? I don't even think I have the Bible. I think I left that back in Hawaii. I don't think I have it. And I felt like God saying to me, No, it's on the kids' shelf. You gave it to the kids. And I went running into their room. Sure enough, that Bible was there. Every other kind of, every few pages, there would be a picture, a black and white picture on the same page but on different sides like this one has a map here i don't know if you can see it but i'll bring it up so you can see it there's a map there and so but in this bible that i had there was a black and white picture on one side and on the other paper the same piece of paper in that page there would be another picture on the other side so i used to let the kids color on it and there was no value to the Bible to me, so I would let them color and tear the pictures out if they wanted to, and they did. And um, they could, they could destroy that Bible if you know. I, I just didn't think much about it. But fortunately, all the pages that were torn out didn't have words on them, and I read the Bible for the first time and felt like I had never seen these words before. And sure enough, the Lord opened the door for me to know him. I read the Bible from cover to cover. I know this doesn't sound realistic, but I stayed up all night, hours at a time, reading um, as much as I could. I went flying through the Bible within two weeks, two and a half weeks, Um, maybe even closer to three weeks. But I know that I was ravenish reading as much as I could. And I would say to myself, gosh, I didn't know this was here. And, you know, remembering that I went to a Christian church every Sunday growing up, also remembering that I even taught Sunday school there. Um, But God became real to me through His Word. I remember going down outside and saying, God, you need to find me a really good church. And I saw my neighbor, um, Jean Maras, and I asked her about where a church was. She said, funny, you should ask that because my husband is a pastor, uh, an assistant pastor of Melody Land, and we're going to go there today. This was on a Thursday because they have Bible study. Well, I went charging down to the front declaring that I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And that day I couldn't wait. Anyhow, all to say that it was the beginning of actually knowing God. Previous to that, I can think of many times in my life that Jesus was knocking at the door of my heart, trying to come in so that I could sup with him and me with with him and him with me. Um, I do remember when I was a little girl, probably about three years old. I know that this sounds like a little crazy because I was so young, but I remember standing in the church and looking at this the biggest Christmas tree that I'd ever seen in my life. And in those days, there were only real trees that people put up. I mean, Christmas trees. They've got fake ones now, but nobody had those then. And I remember standing there and feeling as though I was in the presence of God. Not to say the tree, not looking at the tree, saying God is the tree. But I remember as a little girl saying, God, are you here? Are you at the top of the tree? Are you standing next to me? I just felt his presence. So it was the beginning of, I would say, my search for God. Didn't know who he was, but he continued to knock on the door of my heart. I can also remember people witnessing to me and wanting me to go to church with them and things like that. Again, God knocking at the door of our heart. So it was me searching and then finding God at that hospital and then through the pages of His Word. Um, I think about this this um, radio thing that we're doing and how God expands on on that, but. Right there in the 70s, when I accepted Jesus as my Savior there at Melody Land, and then I also started going to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa in the 70s, and I was so hungry for God, I went to two churches at the same time. I mean, not at the same time, but on the same day. I'd go to Melody Land, I mean, um, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, first thing, and then I would, with myself and my kids, my husband didn't want to go at the time, but myself and the kids, and then we'd race over to Melody Land for their second service and went to church there. I also remembered the hunger that I had for His Word and knowing Him more, um, that I went to a Bible study every day of the week from Monday through Friday. Um, I they were all at different churches. Um, some were some were women's Bible studies, some were a mixed Bible study. But as soon as the kids went off to school, I tried to find a Bible study that I could go to at the time I was living in Anaheim. So I went to Not Avenue Christian Church and, and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa and um, Thursdays at um, Melody Land. So every single day, I, I'm not asking you to do that. It's just the story of how i grew in the lord i also remember everywhere i went i carried my bible i wanted to if i had spare time waiting at the doctor's office if i was having a meal with some friends and things the conversation wasn't happening i'd whip out my bible and most of the time if i was going to lunch during the during the day with friends they were usually christian friends so we carried our bibles with us and and we would iron sharpens iron, we would talk about his word and what we were learning, how we were growing in the lord and and what what we you know thought was pertinent in our lives at that time. so getting into a church, getting into the Bible, and at that time, I was really thinking that I've already read the bible right through I don't have to read through again cuz for me I thought now I'm just going to sit sit at someone's feet and listen to his word um being poured out to me you know in a church so thus going to as many bible studies as I could during the week also um I I also remember going to a bible bookstore which I've never seen before but they had them or they would have it at the church I know Melodyland would sell different books, and you could go to different Bible bookstores and and get a get a book. And I remember the first book I read was Like a Mighty Wind by Mel Torrey. I also read other books, and I, that's how hungry I was for God's Word. And um, at the time, they had this show called um, called praise the lord on tbn and i tried to watch that every chance i could and and also there were services that you could see on tv different services that if i could i would i would watch them like i remember watching katherine coleman on tv i actually watched it even before i knew the lord and thought she was kind of a kook But little did I know that God was using that time that I was kind of giggling at her and laughing at some of the things she was doing. And once I accepted the Lord, I I turned her on the TV so that I could get fed by some of the things she said. Oral Roberts had a show and and then um, also Pat Robertson had a show. So there was a lot of different places as I was growing in the Lord to go to. And now more than ever, I mean, you've got the Internet. I mean, I know that there's a lot of bad stuff on the Internet, too, but there's it's a place to go. And there's a lot of good places that you can go to hear a service, um, see God's word being presented and opening up God's word to get to some meat um, that people are sharing. So, growing in the Lord, that is what I was doing without knowing that I was growing. I also remember um that every spare chance I had, I wanted to get an, another Bible um to get or Bible commentary so that I could really search the word um you know the the Bible talks about that to study study and and you know study his word, meditate on his word. And so that's kind of what I was doing, getting into it as much as I could. But all to say that it's brought me to this place. Here I am, I accepted the Lord in 73. So um, I've been walking with the Lord for 48 years, coming up here in October. Um, I don't know, you know, Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should know more than I ha- more than I do. But I do know that I over those forty one, forty eight years, almost forty eight years. In October, I know God more now than I did back in the seventies, and my walk with Him is way more intimate than it was back in the seventies. I mean, I loved Him, and I knew for sure that I was going to heaven. He was as real to me as he is now, maybe now more. But I knew that I knew that I knew that if anything happened to me, I was going to meet him in heaven. And my walk with him has grown to what it is today. But also what happened to me after I accepted the Lord and started reading his word and started going to all these different Bible studies. I mean, I didn't do that for a you know, I, I probably did that for a good, maybe five years going to all these different Bible studies. I even walked into a Bible study that was in Spanish and I didn't know it until I sat there and, and, um, realized that it, that it was a Spanish speaking Bible study. And I sat through the whole thing and I met a lot of nice people because some of them spoke English too, but the whole Bible study was in Spanish and even the worship was in Spanish. And so, um, but one thing I did know by going there is, take a good look, Rhody. These are people you're going to spend eternity with. That's what I thought. Anyhow, um, aside from doing all of that in growing with the Lord, the other thing that happened to me was I had a strong desire to share Christ with others. As a matter of fact, because Jesus healed me so dramatically And then saved me from walking into darkness because, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, didn't want to make a commitment to Jesus, and was quickly going to become a Hindu. And so God took me off that path quickly and saved me. But one thing that I knew, it was so dramatic for me that I wanted everyone else to know. So if you stood in line with me at the bank or at the grocery store, I shared Christ with you because that's... That's what I wanted to do. I wanted other people to have what I had. And a lot of people were doing that. I mean, I remember going around with some friends that we knocked on doors, we shared Christ with people that were walking our, in our direction, say at the at the mall and they were walking towards us or at, or at the uh, restaurant, and we wanted to share the Lord with them. So we we always had our little tracks with us and wanted everyone to know who Jesus was and what He did for us. So those were the things for me that happened kind of right away. Um, but this walk with Jesus, I remember, I I, I probably knew the Lord maybe, I'm going to say, five years. And everyone, you know, used to say, you know, stay in God's word. And I felt like I was doing that because... I was going to Bible studies and church twice a Sunday, and and maybe not reading his word every day. But I remember listening to someone, and they said, You know, I want you to read a little bit of the Bible or maybe a lot of the Bible every single day. Just get fed, have your daily devotional with him. And I remember him saying, um, and I can't remember who it was, but I remember him saying, You know, if you read, four chapters a day, you'll get through the Bible in one year. I thought, wow, didn't know that, but I could do that. So as busy as a beaver, I started from, you know, Genesis and started reading until I got to the end, four chapters a day. Sometimes I'd even go overboard and read five chapters. You know, some of the chapters are very small. And sure enough, like he said, at the end of the year, I got through the Bible and I was so proud of myself. And then I thought, wow, if you read four chapters a day, if I doubled that up and read, I don't recommend this, by the way, and read eight chapters a day, boy, I could read it twice in one year. So again, as my mind goes, sometimes we do stuff that we're really not supposed to do. But sure enough, I started reading eight chapters a day. And by the end of a year, um, sometimes I'd read 10 chapters in a day, but my goal was to at least read four. Sometimes I'd read 12, but I was busy at it, trying to get to the end of the Bible. Sure enough, um, if four was good, eight would be better, right? And I got to the end of the Bible in one year, I read it twice. So then I'm thinking, wow, twice in one year, if I read 12 books of the Bible, I could probably get to the end of the Bible three times in one year. So I was on top of that. I thought, well, this year it's going to be three times, God, and I'm going to really know you more. Well, as it would happen, yes, (laughs) the numbers do work. Sometimes I'd read 12 verses, sometimes I'd read 14, sometimes I'd read 20, depending on how short it was but every day i read at least 12 verses in the bible and yep at the end by by the way i was a i was a housewife then i didn't work and you know as soon as my house got cleaned up i got into the word again and and um, got to the end of the bible 3 times in one year And i remember calling up my girlfriend this was emily at the time and i said gosh emily you're not going to believe this i was almost out of breath listen I got through the Bible. This is my third time. I read it all three times in one year. And, you know, it dawned on me when I was saying those words. And I actually just told the story recently. I did not know what I was reading. I was reading so fast because my goal was not to really understand what I was reading. But my goal was to get the job done. And I, I would read and read and read until I was just about dizzy. But I, I did accomplish that, but I gained nothing. I didn't know what I was reading. I was going so fast. I didn't know what the story was about. I, my goal was different. It was to get through the Bible. And I thought, oh my gosh, I was so sorry for what I had done. And I said, Lord, I really want to know you more. My goal is not to read and get through the Bible in one year. But if I have to read that verse again and again and again until it makes sense to me, I don't care how long it takes me to get to the other end. But now my goal is to know you more, to know you better. I was talking to a friend of mine and, and she was saying to me, you know, you know your husband pretty well. How many years have you been married? And, you know, she said, you know, when you're married the first year, probably barely know them you know, probably barely know your husband or your wife. And as the years go on, um, especially, you know, like to, first of all, today, a lot of people, I'm not pointing fingers at Christians, but I know it happens in the Christian realm. Um, People are living together. They've, you know, done whatever they want. But I'm talking about knowing your husband or your wife. And you may have courted for a year. But you haven't, you know, slept together. You haven't lived with them. I'm talking about that type of relationship where you've um, gotten married. You know, you're on your honeymoon for the very first time. You begin to know your husband more intimately, or your wife. I'm talking about that kind of a relationship. But even after you've had that type of relationship and you're married for a year, you still don't know them as well as you think you do. Married to them five years. Get to know them a little bit more. Um, it seemed like my husband and I, right away, were even before we even got married, were finishing other sen- finishing each other's sentences, and and we got married um, seven months after we met. So we got married pretty fast, and um, also, you know, we were we've been married for twenty years now. Um, uh, we we've been married twenty eight years this year, so. We know each other pretty well. Um, from the very beginning we hardly knew each other. But as the years progress is my point. I know him pretty well. I know what he likes to eat, what he doesn't like to eat, what he does first thing in the morning and how he what he likes to wear and things that, you know, he likes to do and, and he knows me. Um, as I said, you know, we can finish each other sentences even more now. But that's the kind of relationship that God wants us to have with him, knowing him more, staying in his word, staying at his feet, listening to what he has to say, telling him what's on your mind, like David was, as we shared that, sharing our ups and our downs with him, and helping him get us through. I mean, help letting him get us through those things. That intimate time with him every day allows us to hear his voice more, allows us to know him more. And I believe that God wants us to build relationships with our neighbors, our friends, our family members that, you know, don't know the Lord, all these people, um, because He wants us to have that relationship with others, so that when we share the Lord with them, they understand where we're coming from, that it's a burden that we have for them to come to know Jesus. And building relationships with Him, with our spouses, our families— God is a relationship God. He wants us to know Him more so that we can know each other more and know Him better. So I was going to read um, some scriptures to you before I uh, I ended, but I think you kind of get the message through that. And I'm looking at the time, and um, I, I want to say just a couple of things. You know, Jesus had a relationship with the 12 disciples, not just because he spent time with them because he was God too, but they got to know him more in that time they shared with him so that when he died, and we recently, of course, just a few days ago, we celebrated what we call Easter or Resurrection Sunday. We, he died on the cross for us. These, he prepared his disciples telling them that he was going to go. And they did not, he, he he told them, you know, it wasn't, shouldn't have been a surprise, but it was. Um, you know about Peter denying Jesus twice. I don't know who that man is when they would ask him as they took Jesus away before they crucified him. But Jesus died for our sins. We just celebrated that day, the resurrection day, while well, Friday was, you know. Good Friday. And and then we celebrated Easter, Resurrection Sunday. That's the God that we know. He died not just for my sins, although if I were the only one here, He would have. If Adam and Eve were the only ones there, He would have died for their sins, and that would have been it. But He died for the whole world, people that died before, people that died today, people that died that will die tomorrow. Everyone that was ever born, He died for their sins. He made a pathway for us to know Jesus, Him, but for us to also know God, Yahweh, God the Father. So we serve a triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons in one. And we can only get to talk to the God the Father through God the Son, through Jesus, who died and made the way for us to get to heaven. So if some of this that I'm saying today about knowing God, Knowing him more, knowing him better, growing in the Lord, staying in the Word, going to church, or yeah. today a lot of people are just watching church on TV, getting fed, staying in. You know, the Bible talks about don't not to forget the assembling, the assembling of the saints in 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 Hebrews, meaning you know, gather with your Christian friends so that you can iron iron sharpens iron, get to know him better. If you, if some of that resonates with you and you would like to get to know the God that I'm talking about, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that God, the God of the Bible, the one who died for your sins, if you would like to accept Jesus as your Savior and follow him, follow me in this very short prayer, and it goes like this, just mean it with your heart, Dear Lord, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me of my sins of the past, the present, and the future. Help me to walk with you. Make my heart as white as snow. Help me to follow you, Jesus. I know that you are you died on the cross for me, so I accept you as my Lord and my Savior today, and I ask you to help me to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, that's putting your old life beside behind you and, you know, Brushing it by, and following Jesus. You may not do everything right, and you're not going to, but following Jesus, and he will help you find the right path to take. So if you would like to let us know that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, and I thank you, those that already have called in or written to me, write me at R-A-H Fisher at On the Road with Jesus, and road is spelled R. H-O-D-E, on the road with jesus.com Email me there or go to my website, On the Road with Jesus, and there's a prompt there to help you email something to me. Let us know that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. Also, you can call me at 951-817-0094 and leave a message for me. Um, there's nobody that's going to answer that phone, but you can leave a message for me on the road with Jesus there or call us here at Hope Radio. God bless you, and we'll see you next time um, here on The Road with Jesus. Thank you for joining us, and um, have a really, really blessed rest of the week. Have a really good time. God bless you all. Bye for now.
0: Thank you for being here today for On The Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus you'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhodey Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com, spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com, or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher.